Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and Michael Waits. Michael Waits. Michael Hello and welcome Michael to Asia Michael Tech Waits. Podcast Stories. My name is Graham Brown. Today we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects. I'm so delighted that I'm joined by today's guest, Tak Lowe, who happens to be a partner in Xeroth, which describes itself as an early stage funding program for Asian AI, artificial intelligence and machine learning companies based out of Hong Kong. Tak, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. This is the hot topic that we're going to talk about, AI. I didn't tell you this, actually. Maybe I've ambushed you this, but actually, I right. was an AI graduate in 1995. When wow, AI, you're that old. I am that old, so you can work <laughs> it out, right? Really, am, weren't you? Sorry? You were. I didn't know that. There yeah. were people that studied it way back then. There were people that studied it way back then. So I, I'm going to bring in my up-to-date knowledge from the last Please. millennium yeah. of AI. <laughs> but anyway, I, I bow down and defer to your much more up-to-date knowledge. So we're going to go and journey into AI and cool. uh, look at what's going on because it's such a hot topic. And, mm. you know, I think people really want to know – disseminate the hype from the reality and you're in a good position because you see a whole lot of people come through the door being mm. a funding program a lot of people will probably head towards you to help get a start mm. and get a foothold and you know grow their businesses so you must see all sides of the coin so let's mm. start and talk about what Xeroth is first what exactly do you do yeah, so we uh, fund uh, early stage startups uh, focus on the AI machine learning space um, that's pretty much what we do. We do it in a batch process every three months. Um, uh, we invest in startups. Uh, they go three months into our program. Uh, we take a break, and then uh, we fund uh, another batch of uh, 10, 15 companies again. So we do two, co- two cohorts a year. One is in the spring, and the other one is in the fall. Right. You pretty much like a, an accelerator program, but for That's correct. AI. Okay. So you, that is correct. So I just want to say, I mean, it's familiar territory for you, but some of the listeners mm. might not know what you do is you take in people at the idea stage or do people have products or do they have customers? What kind of stage would you prefer to take people in? Yeah. You know, I think, um, look, I mean, I, I really, as an investor, um, you know, it's, it's the premium or sorry, you probably want to take companies at a later stage because a lot of things have been de-risked. Um, look, I'm an entrepreneur first. Um, I love the early stage off. I love being able to make an impact. And so, you know, we, we, we deal with early stage. And so sometimes it's just an idea. Sometimes it's just a product. Um, uh, we're happy to do that because that's the biggest impact that you can make right at that stage when every decision, you know, makes is a huge decision, right? Um, we just like being in that, in that kind of particular place. That's where you can add the most value, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, what is it that you do for these companies? And I mm. guess that kind of leads to the question is why do we need Xeroth in the market? What's missing mm. at the moment? So let's start off. What do you exactly do you do? If I was a, let's say I was an individual that came, knocked on your door tack and said, Hey, look, I've got this AI prototype, AI based mm. prototype, and it does this, let's say some mm. kind of pattern recognition or a chatbot or something like that. Mm. What would you do for me if you liked what I had? Yeah. So let's yeah let's go through kind of maybe a pretend interview right. So the thing is first you know the thing I think about is really kind of what's your background in the space right. Whether you've done a degree, whether 
you have kind of extensive or relevant experience in the domain, right? Let's say you want to do chatbots before, you know, travel companies, right? Do you really know, you know, anything about the travel enterprise space, how to sell into, into travel, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, I think those, you know, that, that's, that's one part. The other part is, um, so normally kind of let me just go high level. So I usually say, you know, do you have expertise? Are you smart? Um, do you have integrity and can you execute? Um, and so, so that's the framework. And so, you know, I just talked about smartness and kind of industry, industry experience. Um, integrity, I'll do integrity last. Execution ability is the ability to just make things happen, right? Just mm. make things happen. And that, that, that's a little bit harder to suss out, but one way to take a look and find people that can do it are essentially – Look, can you know? Do you literally go in the office and you report back every single day? I've got this done. I've got this done. I've got this done. I've got. Then you've got that kind of execution mentality. Mm-hmm. And the third bit is really integrity. Now, this is, again is a little bit hard to suss out, um, but it's really you know how honest are you, right? How honest are you about you know? It, it's it's not integrity to certain values, whether you know you know you know trustworthy honesty or whatever how honest are you to yourself right if the chips are down it's not a good situation can you confront yourself and say this is not a good situation i don't have my customers i need to get something going you know my fund me my investors have abandoned me what can i need to how real are you to yourself because if you're real to yourself then you know what the problems are then you can solve the problems but you're constantly just saying that's not a problem that's not a problem that's not a problem and you're not facing up to the real problems. You have no shot in hell in solving the problem. So yeah, yeah. It's that really, becomes a real problem, really doesn't it? Not yeah, just that for them, but for you, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. How real are you, right? How mm. real are you? So, uh, What's the typical batch like? Is it young 20-year-old guys straight out of Stanford wearing a pair of shorts and sandals? Or, I mean, what do AI startups look like today? Yeah, the um, look, it runs a gamut. We've got... You know, I think with AI especially, I think we've got, you know, people a little bit older, right? People that have a little bit more experience in, in, in the field, people that, you know, have worked in computer vision at Microsoft or um, have worked in kind of larger companies that come out and wanted to do their own AI company. So it uh, runs the gamut, um, but equally we've got young people as well. So it's not about the age, it's really about how you think, right? Um, mm-hmm. Whether you're open, whether you're open experimenting, whether you're ready to go, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So let's talk about some of the the batch that you've had go through your program. You've done two seasons now, is that right? Or we're in the second one. Okay. We're in our second. You're in your second one. So just give us a flavor for the kind of companies that went through. Just you know, without doing them all, just give us some highlights. Yeah, I mean, um, oh gosh, it's, if you ask highlights, it's like asking which of my kids are favorites. <laughs> uh, hard that was say. a bit unfair, wasn't it? Okay, let, let, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll make it easy for you. I'll just randomly pick some of the companies you can tell me <laughs> what they are. Yeah. How about that? Because then they can't come back to you and complain that That's correct. you're being favoritism or whatever. Right. All right, so let's talk about this one. So one from uh, your neck of the woods from Hong Kong. Let's talk about emotics. Okay, cool. data. Well, what do they do? Yeah, so they, they're a computer vision company. So they essentially are in the compliance space. So they can embed their software in, you know, uh, fintech companies, uh, banks. And it basically what it does is monitor uh, employees' attention span hmm. uh, um, during compliance training. Now, we all know compliance training is pretty boring. It's, 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 it's very boring. Uh, but what they do link is there's a correlation between attention 
and, re- and retention. Mm-hmm. And so based off of what the software is telling them, it's whether you, you are attentive and whether you actually retain the content. Um, and this is important for compliance because especially in Hong Kong, especially in kind of banks, so there's been a lot of issues with uh, compliance. Um, and so that's kind of what they do. So they, they recognize patterns on the employee's face, and from that they can work out whether or not they're engaged. Or Is that how it works? That's right. Face and, and eye, right? Okay. So a lot of it is kind of eye movement. Yeah. That's fascinating. Okay, let's pick one from your first cohort then. Again, from Hong Kong. This really interests sure. me. Anywhere. Biosensing okay, cool. and something to do with pets, isn't it? Let's go. That's on. correct. So yeah, so um, they're they're focusing um, they're focusing their the value proposition now. So um, so what you see on the website might be kind of different, um, but essentially they're focusing on working dogs. And uh, hmm. the problem with understanding working dogs, or basically you know, just health checks with with pets, is it's really hard to get heart rate data. And why? Because there's so much fur. And so oftentimes the conventional method is you shave the dogs kind of kind of breast area, chest area, you get the heart rate, you monitor the dog's health, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. Um, they can, they, their algorithm is able to um, both detect heart rate through the fur and be able to have a whole host of other um, biometric data to say how healthy the dog is, is, the animal is. And so their first kind of customer base now is really focusing on working dogs. Um, so your canine units in the, in the military, in the police, in the customs, and immigration. Um, so it's really interesting because, one, there's very few software companies or tech companies that I know yeah. in this space in working dogs. But, two, really their ability to pick up this heart rate and biometric data f- just from uh, uh, through, uh, through a sensor but through fur um, is pretty ex- exceptional. Yeah, it's really specific as well, isn't it, in terms of an application. That's what's fascinating about this is that, you know, that, you have to be. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'll, I'll ask you about that in a minute because there's another one as well here which piqued my interest. Yep. Again, very specific. Cero or Ciro? I don't know. It's Vietnamese style. That's right. Uses AI to diagnose rice crop health. That's correct. Yeah. Is it's um. Yeah, you know that's that's um, that's why I think you know when you're based out here in Asia, there are very specific applications uh, right. sometimes that you probably don't hear in the UK, you don't hear in, in in the US, just because the dynamics are different. Like rice isn't grown the same way; it's not scaled the same way. Uh, so Sarah essentially is a, a Vietnamese founder. Um, it powers an app where essentially farmers go around the field and say, look, there's 34 different rice crop diseases. They all look the same freaking brown spot to you and me. Hmm. But obviously through computer vision, you can tell that is this rice crop disease. That is that rice crop disease. Um, and also be able to say, look, th- these are some of the, uh, uh, not preventive measures, but <clears throat> some of the measures that you can do to, to, to make sure this disease is wiped out. So the whole idea is to be able to use computer vision to solve rice crop disease, create more data, on rice growing um, so that the rice crop uh, yield improves, the quality improves, the farmers get a better predictability in terms of their growth, the exporters get better quality so they can command higher prices, and then obviously the government wins, right, because they're creating more jobs, or at least more jobs are retained. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of kind of what they do. That's an interesting application as well. I mean, going back to the last one with the pets, again, real specific. Now we've got this one, which is, again, it's a niche area, but not a small niche by any mm. margin, is it? I mean, obviously, agriculture, agritech is massive, especially yeah. here in Asia. 
it's just interesting that those are not the obvious applications of what you thought AI would be. I mean, when we think AI, we see the imagery on TV, don't we? Like the, you know, robotics. And we think about high-tech applications, mm. you know, very much futuristic sci-fi Star Trek type stuff. Mm. But it's interesting that this application of AI, I mean, I'm just picking out examples. I mean, obviously, you've got a of whole course. wide range of stuff. Is is very... It's day-to-day stuff as well. Do you think that's kind of where AI is going to make the biggest impact or do you think it's across the board? I'm just curious to know where you sure. see this all happening. Well, there's uh, you know, there's there's two bits, right? I mean, we've I've, I've written about this. I mean, there's the vertical bit and the horizontal bit, right? So vertical AI is essentially, you know, a very deep, very specific application. And the horizontal is kind of your general AI, you know, the robot scenario, human consciousness, intelligence, et cetera. Um, you know, cognitive abilities to be to be like a, a human being, and so we're interested in both ultimately. Um, but you'll mm. see a lot more applications coming up that are vertically kind of integrated, that are super specific, and I think that's where a lot of the value creation will come from. Um, obviously, I'm still passionate about the horizontal bit, the general intelligence bit, um, but I think there's you know. The, there's there's got to be enough people working in this. There's got to be enough improvement in our lives through kind of the application area for this general horizontal general intelligence to come around. Mm. Um, so I'm quite passionate about both, but I think you know the things that really will impact us and help us are really on the vertical space, on the application space, like the Sarahs, like right. the anywheres um, of the world. Right. There are very specific applications that work within a quite a narrow yeah. uh, context don't they so that's correct yep. like a chatbot for example would probably only chat within a certain range of subjects it wouldn't go off and start talking about your your you know your travels around the world right if it was just a customer service <laughs> yeah. right yeah so, exactly it, it won't exactly and then you've got this vertical application which is for a very, for a very specific task yeah yep. But that general stuff as well that you talked about is fascinating. That's a lot gets a lot of the. Yeah, no, that's noise in the background. Oh, sorry. Let me just kind of go to the room. That's my US number. Hello. Hi there. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Catch <laughs> better. Yeah. So you got the general stuff as well. That's that's fascinating. But it, sometimes that can just be you know a bit of a, a philosophical distraction. No, in the sense that it's kind of interesting, but we may be so far away from that in terms of what you call the, what would that be? The horizontal, horizontal, horizontal. Yeah. yeah. So the general or, you know, artificial AGI, artificial and general intelligence. I mean, I was just in a, the, who you heard in the, in the background was Ben Gertel, who's uh, one of the preeminent, uh, um, AI guys here in, in, in Hong Kong. Um, and so, you know, we were talking about AGI. Look, I mean, the, 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 you know, some people think it's far away. Some estimates I've heard is 2020, um, 2025. It, 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 it's hard, right? It's hard to, 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 to predict where the future is going to be. Um, but, you know, I, I gravitate towards the fact that, look, it might be, it might be close, mm. right? It might be far, um, but it actually might be very close. And so if it's close, I'd rather be uh, – uh, on the end of understanding it and, and being able to deal with it rather than thinking that it's far. Being the game, uh, yeah. And it, right? And then it not be. Exactly. All right. Well, I want to ask you about what excites you at the moment in AI because there's so much going on. I want to put this into context a little bit first because I did actually ambush you at the beginning and said I was an AI graduate from like 
you know, long, long time ago. We're talking 20 sure. years ago, right? And things have changed. Yep. It's interesting, the what AI was back then. So if you go back to the 90s, obviously, what we had was, of you know, computers enabled large-scale processing. So people could mm. run, like, quite complicated algorithms at the time. Mm. There's a lot of focus on what was quite new back then, which was genetic algorithms, which is basically mm. teaching machines or, you know, robots or simulated robots to learn through breeding in a way that, you know, mm. an animal would breed. So, you know, if it sure. takes, so you've got this very sort of bottom up approach to AI, which is we don't know how to solve the problem, mm. but if we, you know, make all these potential solutions and let them out in, into the world, into the wild to solve the problem, some of them are going to be mm. successful, some of them are going to fail. We take the successful sure. ones, mutate them a little bit, and then, you know, we'll create all the mutations of that. And hopefully that will take us a little bit step towards, you know, this local, uh, this, this local solution, right? Which could yeah. be in the same way that you would, you know, many, many, many thousands and thousands of generations, you would provide a solution to like flight or to yeah. know, breathe underwater, for example. So it's yeah. very much rooted in biology at the right. time. So it's very yeah. bottom up. And I think that the, the approach was back then that okay right if we can model a cockroach that mm -hmm. was a big thing let's 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 build a cockroach right and mm. every ai lab or robotics lab in the 90s had cockroaches these little things mm. right mm. if we can model that and we can train it to or it can learn to scuttle away from noise or scuttle away from light or move towards you know a, a smell or heat mm. or something like that mm. if we can master that then the next step is to create whatever's human next. Being. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a few steps between that and a human being, right? <laughs> there might be a few like lower life forms before we get sure. to a human being, right? Sure. Right. That was the name of the game. But, you know, even by the time that I had graduated, they still hadn't advanced. They still were trying to solve the cockroach. So sure. I guess what I want to know is that, okay, computational power has advanced many, many folds since 20 years ago. Is it just yep. the fact we've got more powerful computers or is our way of thinking about the problem of AI different? Have we got no. access to more knowledge or what? Yeah. So fundamentally, actually, the, 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 the problem isn't, sorry, the problem isn't different. It's... Uh, it's, you know, the same, sorry, the, the algorithms you've studied um, are still relatively the same. A lot of it is open source. Um, it's not, that hasn't really changed. What it is is computational power. What it is, it's the amount of data that we have available now. What it is, it's actually, you know, and again, we were discussing with Ben, um, is actually more marketing, right? It's more in your face. It's AlphaGo. Mm. Right. If it really weren't for AlphaGo, it really wouldn't have captured the imagination of everybody. Um, you know, it wouldn't have yeah captured the imagination of everybody. Right. So it it really is kind of that's really what's been pushing it to the forefront. That's there's been kind of B two C applications. There's just there's stuff that people can see physically. So, yeah, autonomous cars. Right. It's been around for a while, but um, the fact that it's hitting us, people think about it. Google's getting into it, Uber's doing it, mm. that really makes it that much more relevant now. Does it take those large IT companies to make it happen? Is it, you know, Are they the ones that have sort of brought it to everybody? The fact that Google can throw its billions behind AI, that's the missing link up until now. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think it's, you know, I, I, I hope not. 
honestly, that it's all the big companies. Um, that's why we're around. We think that that look, it, it, this this superpower should be democratized. There should be a lot more people mm-hmm. into it, um, doing it. And um, yeah, we we don't think so. Obviously, the big corporates. I mean, they, they the Googles and the Facebooks can do very well. But at the end of the day, they're optimized to do it and self-serve, right, for the business. Yeah. As much as you say, well, Google is, you know, do no evil, it's for their own thing. It's for their uh, business. So um, we don't think it should be um, – you know, it's, imagine this, right? Imagine you have you – have, imagine, you know, the more dilemma of super, Superman, right? The most powerful being is in one person's body. Hmm. Uh, that surely is a moral dilemma, right? There's too much power – with one person um i guess we're the batman of it we're we believe in not having one person having all the power that's an interesting analogy you describe yourself as a batman i want to get to the root of that <laughs> what, what, so why I do we keep up with it yeah no let's let's go with that superman versus yeah. batman i think everybody would side with batman because it's just a little bit more fun isn't it sure why do we need xeroth in the market why, why can't we if i was an ai startup why don't i just go to a normal accelerator I say normal, yep. but you know somebody who doesn't specialize in AI, you know, because maybe they can give me access to verticals as well. You know that I need access to. What is it that you do that would be missing yep. in a normal accelerator? So I think the thing is, right? No one's yet figured out how to build an AI company. Honestly, hmm. um, they, you know, but there's only been you know a few companies that uh, have scaled right in, in terms of AI. Um, so it's it's still a really nascent emerging field. So. You know that's why we believe in vertical specific because we really want to um, we want to gain knowledge on how to build companies from scratch in this field. Yeah. Part of the hypothesis is look, data gathering processes is going to be different. We need to figure that piece out. Uh, funding is going to be different, right? It you got to train more people to be more technical investors. Um, the vertical, the specific horizontal specificities, right, and how to build companies. Um, so it's it's. You know, I think it requires a whole host of. There was an article yesterday, right? Like on talking about CEOs now having to be a, CEOs of AI companies. Yeah. Right. Um, how to be the Peter Drucker of of AI companies? Right, right, right. You don't. You don't. You have to have a fundamental understanding of data, get data gathering, and modeling to be able to be an effective uh, CEO. So these things are changing and fundamentally changed. And I think um, you know that's 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 why. We focus on the vertical because I think there are very specific things that are very different in building companies that are AI first. All right. Well, let's take a look at the whole industry now and get an idea. I want to understand your sort of viewpoint, your opinion, your expert opinion, if you like, because you've seen a lot of startups. What is it that's exciting to you? And, And also, maybe it's the same question, same answer, is that what is there more demand for where there's not enough supply in terms of startup because there must be areas in AI, AI which are overdone mm. in a way which are oh, okay we're AI we're going to do this but maybe there's areas where there's a huge demand but people just aren't meeting it right now so tell us a little bit about what you see in the market what's underserviced and also what's really exciting yeah um let's see it's a good question um Shall I throw some examples out there and you can tell me whether no, it's... No, no. I, I, well, you can as well. But, you know, let me just kind of rack my brains really quickly. I think, you know, I think applications, obviously, autonomous driving is pretty interesting, but not, you know, I think from a training data perspective, 
Um, I think it's quite interesting. Um, I'd like to see more, especially in where driving behavior and driving cultures are drastically different from a lot of where the autonomous cars and vehicles will be. Mm. Um, so India driving, you know, Thailand driving. Um, I think there's still a lot of work to be done on in terms of um, understanding, again, driving behavior. Um, I think that there's still more work to be done, I think, well, pretty much any vertical, but let's just say we were thinking about finance the other day. Um, I hope to see more ideas in terms of fraud detection, hmm. uh, network uh, uh, network access and, and, and network security uh, breaches detection. Um, autonomous trading, I've seen some of those ideas, um, but you know, I hope to see a little bit more. Um, what would you want to walk through your door tomorrow? Um, what, what sort of type of startup it doesn't necessarily have to be a vertical, but what kind of setup, what type of thing would they like? What should they have that really get you, you know excited? So, some, something that I've never heard before. I think that's what it is. Hmm. What, what right? haven't some, you heard before? <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I haven't heard a lot of things. So, right. you know, it, it, the, that's, that's the very nature of the investor's job, yeah. right? Is the investor really hears a lot. And I can, part of a good pitch is I learned something about that company that, I've, that I didn't quite realize about the, the world. I didn't know that working dogs sounds kind of niche, right? Yeah. Working dogs is a pretty big segment because of customs, immigration, army, police. Um, I want to learn something out of every company that I work with um, that decides to work with me. I want to learn something new about the world. Would that and be so a company I, then it comes with an application for a vertical which you haven't thought of before? And it's like, a, love uh, to. Exactly. Yeah. Verticals yeah. I didn't thought about. Applications I didn't th- thought about. Markets that I thought was really small or I really understood the dynamic. And no, actually, I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, that's what excites me. Yeah. Anything that's really to space, I'm, you know, I'm pretty interested in that. So. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's uh, throwing down the gauntlet for anybody listening who has something which they think Tack hasn't heard of yet. We can obviously put it to the test and reach out to him. Hey, listen, Tack, um, what, help us understand as well. I mean, you, you see so much in this space. Is there sort of a, a discussion about what actually constitutes AI and what isn't? Because there must be a lot of stuff which is kind of like, hmm. Is that really AI? Therefore, should this really be mm-hmm. part of our portfolio or part of our cohort? Is there any sort of hard and fast rules about that so people can really. understand? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you could you could say this, right? Basically, look if you if if you have a number of PhDs, you know, doing something intelligent, um, that could be constituted as AI, right? You could say that. Hmm. Um, I, kind of, I run on the other side of the spectrum. I don't think it's this is entirely purview of PhDs. I think people have access to open source tools, have access to to TensorFlow where they can experiment. So you know, especially on the application side, right? If you're making basic algorithmic um, innovation, right? I'm fine. I can. I, you, you, you you should have studied this for quite a bit. Um, but for application, I don't think so. So. We're pretty flexible in terms of the team and the team constitution. Um, how we judge and how we look at it is just a function of uh, just how how I don't know. It's it's really hard to tell. A lot of investors work with us and they ask, well, how do you how do you suss things out? 
it's just the way the company thinks about data, how right. they think about how data feeds in their product, how they think how how seriously they think about AI, the tools that they use. Um, this all reveals how strongly uh, technical they are, and and more importantly, I think how AI oriented they are. Right. Okay, so it's less a philosophical debate about is this pure AI or is this not there? Very it's, much. A, it's yeah, more about much it kind of looks like what we've dealt with before and what we know that we can add value to, right? It's it's more like, yeah, are they thinking about, I mean, I guess what I'm talking about it's more the hurdle of are they AI or are they not? And even if they don't have a PhD in AI, they've done enough where it's, a, it's great, it's good enough applied to AI. Gotcha. Okay, that's interesting. Let's talk about then, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about AI and then I want to talk about how you got into that because this is a fascinating story as well. But let's let's round up on AI itself. I mean, everybody knows now AI. I think anybody in the startup world and tech world has heard of AI. You know, Back in my day, AI was like an alternative. It might as well be in a, a geography degree in terms of usefulness in the startup space, right? Mm. No disrespect to geography degree graduates but mm-hmm. you can understand the relevance right sure but now it, it's very hot and we have people saying the next trillionaire is going to come from ai and all these kind of things so the expectations are really built up now does that make your job finding good startups and funding those startups and helping them grow easier or does it in a way make it difficult as well because the market is so hot how does that work with you as somebody on the other side who's helping grow and fund these businesses yeah, um, you know it's 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 great, right? It's great. We we I think look, I mean, we we picked the right you know trend. We picked the thing that is hot. Um, so it, it, I guess to one degree, it's it, you know feels great, right, to be able to do something that's you know hot and fad and a lot of you know when your father sends you articles about AI, then you're like, okay, all right. I mean, right. it definitely is the bubble. Um, you you're know, not having like, to sell it to people anymore, like justify exactly. what that is, right? Exactly. Um, but on the other hand, it, it, it looks, it, it makes us say, look, we're on the right track. Mm. Uh, that's great, right? And, and we could be not on the right track tomorrow. So, you know, let's, let's, let's buckle down and, and continue to do good work and do the things we need to do and realize our visions of the world. So that's, that's, you know, at first, you know, yeah, sure, it's a little pat on the back, but then immediately we just switch off and go back to work. Yeah. So how did you get into this space? that's what I'm curious uh, um, about yeah it's just honestly just um, look I mean I, I love I, I went to technology loving the magic right wow how, does it, how, how did this work right wow it seems so seamless wow I didn't I couldn't imagine my life with you know not having this um, and that's I want to recreate or regain that magic and a lot of that came from the people I knew in the AI space hmm. and that's why and that's why I decided to go into it. And that's purely that. What do you mean by the magic? You're talking about something specific here, that you, some experience um, that you've had, or what? No, yeah. it's uh, the intellectual rigor. I mean, I think um, look, a lot of apps were looking like the same old damn thing over and over, right? Mm. Uber or this, or Uber that, or Facebook or this, and I was just like, I didn't go into technology to do, you know the same thing that everybody else was doing. Um, I wanted to do something different. Um, you know, I want to see the zeros, right? The rice and machine learning. I wanted to think about edge computing. I want to think about machine learning for everybody. Um, 
democratize machine learning, you know, and, and, and things that create new industries hmm. and create new paradigms of thinking, not, not the same old boring stuff. There's an element of the pioneer here, isn't there? Which I suppose in, in AI, where we are right now, it's, it's a frontier technology, isn't it? It's yeah. sort of, it, yeah. you know, the people who are blazing trails out there, there are many parallels with, you know, the, the pioneers of years gone by. Yeah. So it must appeal to people with a sense of adventure. You know where I'm going yeah. with this, right? So I want to yeah. know, because this is the interesting thing that listeners won't know about you, Tack. I mean, on the face value, you're a guy who runs an AI-themed accelerator program in Hong Kong. Mm. However, mm. there's a little bit more to the story here. Okay, let's, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Well, here's a guy Would who, you- 10,000 kilometers drive in an ambulance from London to Ulaanbaatar, right? That's correct, yeah. It's the same guy, right, that we're talking yep. about. And it's not just, that's not the only thing. You didn't just do that, okay, one crazy idea. There's a whole bunch of crazy ideas and different kinds of forms of transport, right? Bikes, tuk-tuks, <laughs> right? And you've chosen quite challenging routes as well. I think this is really interesting because, you know, when I find people doing startups or involved in any kind of technology, I always sort of try to go beyond what, is happening right here right now look at the backstory to that person because if that backstory kind of matches up in a way mm. I know this person is really passionate about this thing not just because it's fashionable or not just because okay. you know they, they happen to jump on an opportunity but because this is a theme that's been with them for years and years it's what they'd be doing anyway so tell us about this adventurous streak that you've uh, yeah this, is it uh, a phase or what? what what's going on no, that's <laughs> what's going on. It's always been a part of me, um, huge part. Um, you know, it's uh, so it started. I joined the United States Army after university, and um, you know, so I graduated economics, um, University of Chicago, and um, you know, I, I was just I'm a I'm a you know I, I really. Yeah, I, I was going to go into a bank. I don't have any army experience. I'm, you know, I'm not the biggest guy. Um, I had a university degree. Um, so there's really no reason why I joined the, I would have joined the military, but, um, there were two parts to, to the decision making. I mean, I almost got disowned by my father for joining the military. Wow. Um, you're not an American citizen, right? No, I wasn't you're, at that time. No, you're no. from Hong Kong originally, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. So at that point, I wasn't. And so, yeah, my, you know, my father was like, oh, you have no, you know, there's no loyalty and, you know, there's, you, you owe no loyalty. And then, but, you know, for me, there were two things, right? One is, look, when, you, when you're young, you know, when you can make, take those chances, you should take the, the chances that are equal to your age, right? So the younger you are, the, the riskier you can, the more risk you can take, right? Because you just, you don't have anything to risk, Right. So therefore, you should take the maximum risk that you've got. Now that I'm 37, you know, I've got a kid, you know, I've got a family. There are just less risks I can take. It's just a fa- you know, function of life. Um, so, yeah, so so look, there was that. I could take the, the biggest risk I could take. The second was, um, look, I, I want to learn about leadership. And, um, you, know, I've, you know, I've looked at a whole host of different options. But the, the, the military leadership is the finest leadership that you can you can learn it, it, it literally leadership in the military means life or death mm. um you lead well you know sorry you lead well doesn't mean that you will still be alive 
But if you lead well, it means you have a higher probability to be alive, right? especially in the fields, right? Obviously not when you're in, in the back, uh, in the rear. So, so that's, that's ultimately where leadership really matters. It is life and death. And so very quickly, I learned about leadership, not because of great leaders, because of the absolute worst leaders. Hmm. You learn what not to do. Um, and so then that you learn, okay, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that style. And you finally you meet a great leader and like, okay, that's something about that. And so, yeah, so, so it's a real, it's always been like that. So I joined, I left the military. Um, I said, look, what do I want to learn next? I don't know anything about business. I joined a consulting firm. Uh, I didn't know anything about general business. I said, I went to London business school. I didn't know anything about investment banking. So I joined investment bank. Um, and then after B school, I said, look, I want to be an entrepreneur now. And I became an entrepreneur. So every, every step of the way, you know, I've done things that I've wanted to do because I felt that's what I needed to learn, not because that was the career path or, or, or whatever. Notice I've done five different things. Um, so yeah, being an adventurer has always been part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you have the conviction that you have to do something, that is what you need to do. Um, then you do do it, right? There's no other kind of, um, there's no other recourse. And the same thing with, with this, right? Um, creating Zeroth is, is, look, it's an adventure and there's no other recourse. Right. I mean, I'm fascinated by that because there's a whole generation of startup founders now, all kinds of different ages. Mm. And you have people who, rock out of college or not even go to college and you start their startup, they don't have much life experience, right? Mm. Often they're very good at what they do in terms of a technical skill, but they don't have the, the background side. And they have maybe people who have worked in the corporate side, but they haven't kind of taken the risks that you've taken. When you've done a lot of mentoring. You've sat across the table from a lot of startups. You work with startups in all different kind of levels. When you look at the startups now, do you look for those kind of qualities like i mean you know i don't know were they in the military did they go on these crazy journeys and these travels or do you think that's kind of Mm. asking too much of startup founders do you look for something beyond Uh, simply the fact that they're good at this particular skill yeah i mean i i I guess i don't look for um you know i don't look for skills beyond i don't look for like kind of beyond skills or or um you know qualities of maybe skipping around i guess but but uh, what if anything i look for qualities of you know have they been adventurous right do they have Mm. courage um do they have the execution ability or want of execution um uh do they have a commitment uh do they have the drive do they have the tenacity do they have the integrity um you know, all the fundamentals that are learned in the military, right? Just small little things, right? You just, you can't put this stuff on a CV. Um, you know, I have the commitment, right? I have um, the integrity. Those are things, you, they're just, you know, basic skills, hmm. but nonetheless are super important in a world, in startups, where a lot of it is, is your word is your bond. A handshake deal is a handshake deal. Um, people bet on you for your commitment to do the right thing, right? Every, there's so much that's kind of unspoken. 
Um, and, and, and so that's where the military kind of ethos comes back, right? Where it is your bond. It, it's your, it's your, it's your action. It's your integrity. It's your, et cetera, et cetera. So mm. that's really interesting. Huge difference. Yeah. Huge. yeah it's, it's fascinating. Do you, do you think as well, I mean, in the military, you learn to survive or literally survive, thrive in an environment where often there wasn't any kind of rules, right? You yeah. Know, you had your own so. sort of like algorithms which you and your small team worked with but beyond that anything could happen right there was so many variables going on right yeah it's ability to make decisions under uncertain uh, under variables right or in right. uncertain situations right so you don't know what you don't know and 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 but you can make decisions based off of understanding risk right so the thing is right military people it's not like there are no risks right there's there's plenty of risks and we're, we're ultimately not risk, risky people. We're actually just very good at making risk-based decisions because we understand the risk and we understand what is more risky, what is relatively less risky. And so based on that, then we can make decisions. Um, we're actually, we, again, we don't, we're not risk lovers. We're great risk assessors. Hmm. That's the big difference. And we can make decisions based off of, of that risk. When you're looking at startups now, do you feel that training kick in? Do you? Oh yeah. Yeah. How <laughs> yeah. does it work? Just give us some example. Well, not you know. It's just you look at a startup. Yeah, you just look at a startup. You say, look, you've got you've. There's something about you that has that, you know, this this, you know, this this same ethos, right? The same ethic and the same drive and the same courage. Um, you know, everyone looks at startups differently, right? But that's that's my my pattern recognition, if you will. Um, and, and look, it's, it's not just the purview of military people, right? It's, um, you know, if you're an extreme sports person, triathlete, you, you can probably see the same thing. Mm. Um, you know, but I've done that in extreme sports. I've done that in, in military. So I kind of see the similarities um, between all that. But um, yeah, definitely, right? But, Do you have the tenacity? Do you have the drive? Can you lead a team? Et cetera, et cetera. There's a theme, isn't there? I mean, I'm a, a triathlete myself, Ironman. And oh, cool. It, yeah, yeah, so it's the, like with the military, and I, I guess with any any of these kind of endeavors which are out of the traditional you know, career path, it's kind of like ability to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, isn't it? And whether that discomfort is being in a very strange environment where people don't speak the language or environment yeah. which is hostile or environment yeah. which is painful and uncomfortable and you're suffering – all of that, right? And I think yeah, that's yeah. great for a startup founder. You can't train it's, that stuff in a school, right? I don't. Think you can't. You can't. Look, I, I appreciate you're a you're an Ironman. I mean, yeah. So every step, right? Every step, every pedal, everything is uncomfortable, right? And the sooner you realize that every step is going to be uncomfortable, like that is the normal, mm. right? Comfort is not the normal. I mean, so so people like us were a bit kind of weird in the head, I think right? So. We've right, we're a bit weird in the head, right? We're not comfortable. We're comfortable with uncomfortableness. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and great star founders are like that. I mean, it, it, the easy day was yesterday, right? And when you're doing a triathlon, every step is uncomfortable. But that's just the new normal. Every day is uncomfortable as a star founder. You have this blow up, that blow up, this thing. That's just the new normal. That is just what's, that's just a good day. Yeah, right? yeah. Wake yeah. up, you rinse, you rinse, repeat. Exactly. 
right? <laughs> Survive the day and do it all over again. And you guys, you listening, you thought it was easy. Oh, well, you're in for a treat, right? No, no. But the thing is, right, the one thing I do want to say, like, well, you know, uncomfortable is the new comfortable. You know, what is comfort, right? Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, comfort is not reality, I feel. You know, it, 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 we're all, let's say, for example, the reason why I say that is if your job nine to five, right? You have a job nine to five, you think you're comfortable. Maybe the first year you are, you know, you get comfortable, you have kids and you, know, you rely on the salary and great, great, great. You know, you think you're taken care of, you know, five years later, AI comes around, takes away your job or something exactly. outsource, you right? Takes away your job. You're like, I thought I was comfortable. I thought this was the normal versus you could have reversed back and say five years it's not going to be comfortable i don't know what it is every single day i'm just gonna i gotta learn yeah. every single day i'm gonna upgrade my job upgrade myself so that if anything happens right i'm prepared right i'm always gonna be uncomfortable every single day and stretch myself which of the two is a better situation to be in i think the latter for sure and we're seeing this now, isn't it? There? That there's people in the media, politicians saying they're going to tax organizations or companies that replace workers with robots. It's it's the other way around, isn't it? It's it's playing the victim card. Whereas you know you got to look at it from the angle that nobody's going to look after you, and you've got to go out there and upgrade your skills because, as you say, AI, AI is coming, and you're either going to be riding the wave or you're going to be washed over by it. So. Yeah. Nobody makes it's, that choice, right? Apart from you. Yeah, apart from you, right? Nobody makes that choice. And yeah, I think it's important to not be comfortable. Um, look, I mean, you don't tell your kids, uh, you know, I don't know if you're kids, but I've, I've got a kid. And I mean, I, I, it's not like I tell my kid to, you know, you know, kind of hustle every single day. But yeah, you want you, you want your kid to, to not struggle yeah. every single day, right? Proceed every single day. Uh, and so I think it's, uh, it's the same you know, ethos. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's been fascinating talking to you, Tech. Oh, before you want to go, before you go, I want to just, if I can, get you to nail your colors to the mast a little bit and tell us about what you think we need to look out for in the future with AI. I know that's probably a question which comes up a lot in the media, but I'm just curious because you probably see it different to a lot of people in the fact that you're you're working at really the grassroots level of AI. You know, with people who mm. are building these apps from at the moment, off the radar of the the mass market, but soon these will mm. be apps that people are going to be touching their lives on a daily basis. What do we need to look out for? I mean, let's, beyond all the, the nonsense we hear about people losing their jobs, that's going to happen. Let's talk about the positive side. You know, in the next five years at least, what's going to be the impact of AI? Paint a little picture for us, if you will, about what positive things are going to come through. Mm. Um, gosh, um, what positive things are really going to come through? Um, it runs, it runs a gamut. I mean, I can be really, really specific. Um, you know, especially, you know, all the companies at Xeroth, right? I mean, they could really make, Sarah could make a, could have make an impact on, on people's lives and farmers' lives. Um, Claire could help out customer service in terms of, uh, of banks. You know, literally the way I kind of, my unifying theory is basically, the stuff that I really want, wouldn't want to be doing, right, I won't have to do. Mm. And my cognitive abilities can be focused on doing, like, right now I'm trying to book travel. I think it's kind of stupid, right? I know where I need to be. I, I know where I need to be. I know, you know, what times I need to be there. 
why can't a bot just crawl my calendar and find the best flights? Yeah. Off. And it's, I just like it's a complex thing. I need to fly from here to Tokyo, Tokyo to London, London to Amsterdam, Amsterdam easy, uh, not easy. Um, train back to London and London back to Hong Kong. It's not easy. But I was just thinking there's better ways to do it. And I'm spending, you know, hours trying to figure this piece out. So, um, we like that. doing stuff. the heavy lifting, right? That's, yeah. what, that's what it's yeah. about, right? Yeah. Like the stupid stuff that I shouldn't be, I should be, you know, reading or connecting with you and, 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 and you know, connecting with other human beings, right? I think that's right. more added stuff. So exactly. that's where. That's the unifying theory, isn't it? I think that's where you get it right, is that people think it's going to outsource everything, but it isn't. It's going to do the heavy lifting and allow us to focus more time on what counts. That's what it's about. The more human stuff. It will allow us to be more human at the end of the day, right? I, I do think so. I really do. Well, Tak, let's end on that positive note. It's been really interesting and inspiring speaking to you. and I've really enjoyed learning about your story and your journey as well as your uh, work in AI. And I think both areas are equally fascinating and, you know, part of the same journey, if I can add, and that all kind of makes sense, you know, that adventure, the pioneer in a new territory. So, I mean, anybody wants to connect with you, I'm sure they want to find out more about what you do, your story, and also your accelerator program. Where do people go? If you can share a link with us, that'd be great. Of course, it's uh, zeros.ai, Z-E-R-O-T-H dot A-I. Thank you so much. Come back on the show and give us an update on part two because you want to have, well, you're constantly receiving new cohorts into your program. So it'd be great to get updates on what's going through, what's exciting, and also updates on some of the cohorts that have gone through already are out in the market and see how they're progressing. Yeah, love to share. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at www.asiatechpodcast.com.